It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 4th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter, or follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about a pair of weekend games that continue to amaze and astound Magic fans and probably the rest of the league as the Orlando Magic beat the Indiana Pacers in a moment of pure triumph and then fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers in a moment that we would like to forget. The Orlando Magic still sit tied with the Charlotte Hornets in the eighth spot, but definitely missed an opportunity there to climb up a little bit further and perhaps give themselves a little bit of distance as now the Miami Heat breathing down their necks as well. Miami playing Atlanta on Monday, so they could be a half game back at the 8th spot as well as Charlotte in the ninth spot. But before we get into any of all, and then I'll talk a little bit about one of the big reasons why the Magic are struggling to put these teams away and why it may not be all that surprising, it's something the Magic have to trust nonetheless. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast. I work by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. On Monday's episode of Locked On NBA, I jumped on with Josh Lloyd to discuss the Orlando Magic's recent hot stretch, why the Magic are struggling with these lower teams. No offense, Chicago, Cleveland, and New York. Y'all beat the Magic. But why the Magic are struggling to uh, play the role of favorite that, that they appear to have taken on, and what that means moving forward as the playoff chase continues. You can check that out on Locked On NBA on Monday. So definitely download that. You can download that every day to get your national perspective from local writers like me or local uh, podcasters like us or like me who follow the teams religiously. And also check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Philadelphia 76ers uh, defeated the Oklahoma City Thunder, I believe, on Saturday night. You can definitely check out that podcast. Uh, to get a lowdown, uh, check out Locked On Sixers to get a lowdown on the Philadelphia 76ers uh, before the Magic take them on Tuesday. And a game I'm sure the Magic will certainly be up for and energetic for uh, because they're not a sub-500 team or not one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, definitely check that out, Locked On Sixers. You can check out all the great podcasts as well in the NFL, uh, MLB relaunching soon, and Locked On College Podcast too. All your teams are there, every, your team every single day on the Locked On Podcast. I work to search for Locked On and the team you're looking for on iTunes or tell your smart device in your car at home to play podcast Locked On and the team you are looking for. Let's start with Saturday night, the Orlando Magic playing the Indiana Pacers. And, uh, you know, Indiana's a, a funky team, sort of like the Magic. They're, they're, they, they try to be more than the sum of their parts ever since Victor Oladipo went out with the injury, with that devastating injury that he went out with. And, of course, we wish speedy recovery to him. Uh, and it was a rough game. Neither team played to their strengths as both teams' defenses struggled throughout the game. And 
Orlando, though, it felt like Orlando's offense was the least sustainable. Orlando was shooting better, um, but they were down, and they were struggling, and, and eventually their shooting fell off. Indiana's pulled up, pulled, pulled up, and Magic found themselves down by 10 or so points. Then Terrence Ross happened in the fourth quarter. 16 points in the fourth quarter, leading the Magic back. Evan Fournier hitting a huge shot after it looked like the Magic might yuck the game away. Nikola Vucevic providing steady play as always throughout the first three quarters as, as he, I think, was really key to keeping the Magic in it throughout. And Orlando walked away with a major victory. A uh, uh, really a, a fantastic 117 to 112 victory for the Orlando Magic. The just a just a fantastic effort overall from everyone on the team. Nikola Vucevic with 27 points on 11 for 18 shooting. Evan Fournier with 16 points. Terrence Ross with 18 points. I believe I may have that wrong. Uh, with 18 points, including uh, actually had more than that. I think I, I think my thing is wrong here. I think my stats are wrong here. I've been playing around with some stats here as I as I'm writing my sidebar and talking about what I'm going to talk about here in just a moment. But Terrence Ross with 23 points. I knew that was wrong. Nikola Vucevic with 27, Evan Fournier with 19 points to lead the Magic to uh, what felt like a big victory, a, a, a victory which I'm sure I'll talk about in a, in, a mo- in, in a future podcast, where the Magic just seemed to take whatever punch was given to them, were down in the fourth quarter, and just scratched and clawed and found a way to win. It, it felt like a very instructive and, 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 and big victory for this Magic team to say, hey, we're not just gunning for the eighth seed. We're going to be players here to get to the seventh seed, to maybe catch six. And, and it felt like, in some ways, the Magic, after beating Golden State, matching it with a tough road win at Indiana, the Magic announcing themselves as a playoff team. It, it felt good. But you're only as good as your next game, it, it seems like. And certainly in the world of Twitter, it's easy to overreact one way or the other to these kinds of games. And... As we all know, Orlando's two losses since the All-Star break have come to the two of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks and the Chicago Bulls. And the Bulls are playing better, the Knicks are playing better, and yeah, the Cavs are playing better too, but the Bulls and Knicks games certainly were games the Magic should have won. They they had every opportunity to win those games, and, and their own struggles, I felt like, and their own mistakes cost them. And the same thing happened here against Cleveland in, in a seemingly worse way. The Orlando Magic started off playing poor defense. They finished playing poor defense. And they simply didn't have the offensive firepower to match. Cleveland gave them ample opportunities to pull away and win this game and take control of the game. And yet, the Magic didn't take that last step. And as impressive as it's been to watch the Magic beat these really good teams, granted, without certain star players, um, you know, they're, they're not contending for a championship anytime soon, but the Magic beat these teams. They still had to win those games. They still had to find a way. They still had to grit. They still had to fight. They're still good teams. And the Magic are, I mean, I've said this throughout the whole season. The Magic are that team. But they're also this team that we've seen against these, these, these poorer teams by record that, that, that can't seem to get out of their own way, that can't seem to put that killing, that killing stroke, that, that killing punch into these teams that gives them that little bit of hope and gives them that little bit of energy. The margin for error for the Magic is small. We know this. And even against bad teams, uh, again, by record, I'm uh, saying those teams are bad, but even against these struggling teams, Orlando leaves a little sliver open, and that can be enough to derail them, especially when one or two things don't go right. Now, 
the margin for error against a team like Cleveland is a little bit wider, is a little bit bigger. Uh, this was a weird game Sunday night. The Cavaliers, of course, winning 107-93. to It was a, a very weird game. Cleveland would go on a run and take take a lead, take a 6-7, 8-point lead. Orlando would go on a run, take a 6-7, 8-point lead. Then Cleveland would go on a run. Then Orlando would go on a run. And usually it had to do with whether Nikola Vucevic was in the game or not. Nikola Vucevic plus 3 for the game. But DJ Augustin plus 10, Jonathan Isaac plus 9. A lot of guys played that had that, that very clearly, and again, plus minus, individual plus minus isn't always the best measure of anything. But if you watch this game, when Nikola Vucevic was in the game, the Magic were a better team. When DJ Augustin was in the game, the Magic were a better team. When Jonathan Isaac was in the game, the Magic were a better team. It's not to take away from anyone else. Just certain lineup combinations just simply did not work. Orlando struggled offensively all night. Shooting 44.3% from the floor, 6 for 26 from beyond the arc. Orlando could not get a an outside shot to fall, and their ball movement suffered for it. But 23 assists on 39 field goal makes isn't bad. The Magic just couldn't hit shots consistently. And they had their runs. No, no, they, they, took, a, they took a lead in the third quarter, but they quickly gave it up. And their offense would go through long droughts. They would have make some little mistakes. They would settle for three-pointers. They wouldn't move the ball enough or get the ball inside enough. Nikola Vucevic was pacing the team as usual, but they would need that extra little oomph offensively. And it never came. And especially with the Magic's defense struggling for most of the night. Yet, yeah, there were some pockets. When the Magic made their runs, when the Magic had the energy because they were making shots, they played better defensively. I mean, Isaac always plays good defensively. Vucevic was solid defensively, but... D.J. Augustin, who sprained his ankle in, in Saturday's game against Indiana in the second quarter, clearly wasn't 100%. Colin Sexton was getting into the paint at will, but Evan Fournier didn't have that excuse. Jordan Clarkson was getting into the paint at will, too. Cleveland was able to, to get guys into the paint and kick out two three-point shooters. Now, Cleveland didn't shoot great from three, just 14 of 43, but they had a lot of open threes. And if we're going to go process over results, which we should— the Magic gave up a lot of open shots, and whether Cleveland was hitting them or missing them really determined whether Orlando's defense was able to get the stops they needed to go out on a run. Yet, Orlando had the lead in the third quarter. Yet, Orlando had the chance to put that killing stroke, to put that killing blow in, and not have to desperately try and come back or try and scratch out the game at the end. And Orlando just couldn't do it. Against one of the worst defenses in the league, Orlando could not find offense. Was it just bad shot making, just bad shots? In this case, I wouldn't say so. Against New York in that fourth quarter when Orlando scored only 10 points and and lost that game, I thought Orlando got open looks and they didn't go down. I I really did. I didn't think, I I didn't panic or worry about that game because Orlando was getting the looks they wanted and and then frustration did set in at a certain point and and that's, that's human, that happens. But I thought largely they did a good job moving the ball and that just wasn't their night. This game was different. This game, Orlando didn't move the ball effectively. Orlando didn't get good shots. Orlando settled. You could tell they were forcing. You could tell they felt that the bottom was dropping out. And believe it or not, the Magic gave up a 17-0 run to to fall behind by eight points to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the early fourth quarter. That's when the Magic brought in Nikola Vucevic and DJ Augustin, and, and Orlando was able to get the game back under control. They were able to get the game back within reach and have a chance to win it. But those defensive problems came back to haunt them. Those defensive problems, again, when the Magic aren't completely dialed in defensively, they can struggle. 
And it wasn't Vucevic. Vucevic, I thought, was good defensively. It was the inability to stop dribble penetration. There was a lot of miscommunication and a lack of communication throughout the night on switches that gave up open threes. Cleveland hit five open hit five three-pointers in the fourth quarter, and that proved to be the difference in the game. Whether it was Kevin Love draining shots, whether it was Jordan Clarkson, whether it was Chetty Osman, Cleveland hit the big shots they needed to win the game. They were getting the open shots. They were playing the better offense, even though they shot only 43.4% from the floor. They got, they got the plays and made the stops they needed because Orlando just didn't have any answers. And it's hard to say exactly why Orlando didn't have those answers. They certainly didn't play with the same intensity and focus and, and I'll use a Clifford term here, purpose of play that they did when they beat Indiana on, Friday, on Saturday night when they beat Golden State on Thursday. They didn't even play with that same purpose of play from Tuesday's loss to the Knicks. It was there in spurts. It was there in moments. But it wasn't there long enough. And Orlando is not a team that can just show up, put a big run on a team, and win. They need to play with that intensity and that fire for 48 minutes against the really good teams. And yeah, against Cleveland, they need to play with it for a pretty extended period of time too. And so the Magic followed up a two... Very monumental, accomplishing wins with what feels like a soul-crushing loss. It isn't. It's not the complete end of the world. It is part of a troubling trend that deserves watching. And according to several reports, Steve Clifford appeared to have a longer conversation with his team after this game because this the, there were so many things in this game that just were not acceptable. Back-to-back or not, the Magic should have been better on Sunday night than they were. And now, once again, they've left one on the board. One they feel they should have gotten, one that fans feel they should have gotten, or one that fans counted that they should have gotten. They left one on the board. It hasn't hurt them in the standings yet. But eventually, these kinds of games are going to come back and bite them in in the butt. Whether we can go to the end of the season and, and say... That's a game the Magic should have had. That's a game the Magic should have had. That's a game the Magic should have had. Trust me, there's like 10 of them this year. These three, the ones on the West Coast trip that the Magic lost, there are plenty of games the Magic should have won that they didn't. And they're all, you can add them all up at the end of the season and say, those, those you're going to regret those. This one will certainly be one of them. But certainly the effort and approach is, is regrettable at the very least, if, if, the, if not the result. Because the Cavaliers were the better team. They earned the win. They got the win. They deserve the win. And now Orlando has to pick up the pieces and play at Philadelphia on Tuesday in a very tough environment against a very good team and find a way to win again. Because the East race is only getting tighter. The pressure is only getting greater. And Orlando's got to learn and figure out how to play with that pressure and take advantage when opportunity presents itself. Charlotte struggling. Brooklyn struggling. And yet, Orlando hasn't made up much ground. They're not even in the driver's seat yet when they probably should be. Charlotte has two games in hand on Orlando, so... Even though the, the Magic are ahead on percentage points, the Hornets technically still control their destiny here. But all Orlando can focus on is the next game. Put this one behind them. Grow from it. Get better from it. 
You wish you didn't have to say that this late in the season. But find a way on Tuesday night to make up for it and move on from there. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's run through the final box score for you real fast on this one uh, on Sunday's game. I'm only going to focus on Sunday's game here because Saturday's old news. Um, Nikola Vucevic, after 27 points against the Indiana Pacers, Another stellar game, 28 points, 13 for 16 shooting, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. I I honest, 2 blocks. I honestly can't find any fault in Nikola Vucevic's two games, Saturday and Sunday. These were two exquisite, perfect games from Vucevic. He paced the magic throughout the game. The offense around him was falling apart, was struggling. When the ball was in his hands, he was making the right decision. He was making the right play. And most importantly, in the game when the magic struggled to make shots, he was making shots. Um, you can't really ask for more from Vucevic. I thought his defense uh, on Sunday was acceptable. I, I wouldn't say he was absolutely stellar defensively in either game, but it was certainly fine. It, 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 it's not on him that the Magic lost these games. And, and, and you know, as a star, I'm sure he would disagree with that. I'm sure he, there, he would say there's something more he could do. And yeah, there, there probably is. But you really can't put too much of the burden on him. The Magic put a lot of that burden on him already, and he is delivering really, really well right now. He's honestly, there's a lot of pressure on this team right now that I don't that I think that they're they're still figuring out how to deal with and how to respond to and and how to how to handle, especially when they're playing in games like this. If there's really good news about all of this, Nikola Vucevic has stepped up to the plate, has stepped up his game to that level that the Magic need him at. And he is playing some very, very good basketball. And, and, I, and I think that that deserves some kudos and some recognition. Aaron Gordon, 15 points, 7 for 16 shooting, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, I, I thought Aaron had a really rough game in this one. Um, you know, I think he got a, a little bit of the short end in that he was the one that had the ball in his hands at the end of several shot clock situations. So I think his field goal percentage is a little bit skewed. Um, but not too much. One for five from beyond the arc. He's really struggling to shoot threes at this point. Um, you know, he's a tricky three-point shooter, so it'll come around. Um, but a, a, a tough game for him. Um, I thought that he had some issues with Kevin Love, although he did hold Kevin Love to a low field goal percentage. A lot of fouling in this game. Uh, Evan Fournier had four. Isaiah Briscoe had three. Aaron Gordon had three. A lot of fouling leading to free throws, especially. Cleveland shooting 23 free throws, made, made 21 of 23. Orlando just nine of 11. Aaron Gordon doesn't go to the foul line. Uh, so, uh, you know, Gordon's doing a lot of different things. Shooting efficiency is still a big issue, especially outside shooting efficiency, and he's got to get to the line. I mean, you can't have a game where he doesn't get to the line um, uh, when he's attacking, and, and so I think that that's part of the problem that the Magic had with their offense. Again, and it's been a problem all season. It's been a problem for seven years. Orlando does not get to the foul line consistently enough. They need to find a way to get to the foul line, and, and, and that's a big deal. DJ Augustin, 19 points, 6 for 12 shooting, 2 for 5 from beyond the arc, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Really good effort from DJ Augustin. Uh, playing on a sprained ankle is not easy. It was he was questionable to, to until you know the rosters had to be turned in. Essentially, um, he had really good moments where he. I mean, when he was in the game, the offense was a lot more organized. 
uh, and a lot more purposeful. And the Magic needed that. And the Magic needed that guidance throughout the night. And, and and he provides that. I mean, he is just a solid, consistent player. And that's really all the Magic can ask for from him. The only thing I would complain about when it comes to DJ Augustin, uh, clearly the ankle was affecting his play. Clearly, uh, he was struggling to keep Colin Sexton in front of him. Sexton finishing with 17 points on 6-for-11 shooting. He did have five turnovers. He's a rookie, and he, and he makes those mistakes. But Sexton was getting into the paint really at will, was was really doing whatever he wanted uh, and really getting the Cleveland offense moving, especially early on in the game. And and, and Augustin, I think, struggled with that a little bit. And you could just tell that that that, that ankle was, you know, he, once he got into the flow of the game, he was fine. But for the most part, he had some issues with it throughout the game. Uh, but again, a really solid effort from DJ Augustin. Uh, you know, the Magic are a much better team when he is on the floor. Evan Fournier, 4 for 13 shooting, 3 for 7 from beyond the arc, 11 points for him. Uh, just a, a rough shooting night for Evan, and, and it's, it's been a rough shooting year. I think he had a lot of off-balance runners and, and jumpers. Um, you know, it just feels like he's off-balance a lot, and I, and I think that's part of the reason why he struggled to shoot this year. It's just it, I, I, I'm just I'm noticing this about his shot. It just feels like he's he's just a, you know swaying or, or, or moving a little bit too much on his shots, and, and some of that's from having to create off the dribble so much. And the Magic put the ball in his hands to be a playmaker. So he's going to be taking a lot of those kind of in-between shots, those runner shots, and, and I think that's where he's really struggled. I, I, if someone has, if I had access to Synergy or one of those one of those things, I'd look at that stat specifically and say, okay, is Fournier taking more of these types of shots than he did in previous years? Because the ball's in his hands a lot more. They're expecting him to move the ball a little bit more. One assist, though, today was was rough for him. Um, and, and, and it just, you know, something's just always felt off about Fournier, especially coming off a really strong game. Against Indiana, it was tough to see Fournier have this kind of an effort and, and be really a negative on the floor. Um, it was just not a good game for Evan Fournier. Uh, defensively, I thought he really struggled on the perimeter, keeping his man in front of him, and and that was a, a part of why Cleveland was able to get the points and get the get the uh, penetration to, to get open shots that they did in the fourth quarter. Jonathan Isaac, a solid game, seven points, three for eight shooting, four rebounds, uh, a really incredible block on David Nwaba. Um, just overall solid defense from Isaac. He, you know, he's still comfortable with his uh, kind of dribble pull-up move. Uh, you know, just again, it feels like the Magic still need to run a little more, little bit more for him, but but overall solid effort from Isaac. And finally, the guy that we're going to talk about here at the end of the show, Terrence Ross, two points, one for 12 shooting, 0 for 6 from beyond the arc. Another rough offensive game for Terrence Ross. And really, again, it's this. it was the same deal, like I said, against New York. If Terrence Ross hits one of those shots, hits one of his three-pointers, hits one of his baskets, the Magic are probably fine. It calms them down. Uh, it, 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 it gives them confidence. And we're talking about a win. But Ross just really struggling to shoot since the All-Star break. And, and I'll dive into those numbers a little bit more coming up here in just a moment. The Orlando Magic finished shooting 39 for 88 from the floor, 44.3%, 6 for 26 from beyond the arc, 23.1%. They only shoot 11 free throws, 9 for 11 from the foul line. Meanwhile, Cleveland, 21 of 23 from the foul line. They only shoot 43.4%, 32.6% from beyond the arc. The Magic fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers, 107-93. to And it's it's honestly one of the first games the Magic have lost by more than 10 points in quite some time. It's been a really incredible run for the Orlando Magic. They've been in every single game that they've played, and it, it's, been a, it's been a while since the team had a quote-unquote 
blowout loss. I wouldn't consider this a blowout loss, but the last time the Magic lost by more than 10 points, they lost by 10 at Oklahoma City. They lost by, uh, it looks like, the last time they lost by more than 10 points was at Utah January 9th, 106-93, and that was a game where the Magic had a big lead in the first half. So it's been almost two months since the Magic lost a game by more than 10 points. So they've been very, very competitive in these games. Um, But unfortunately, that streak ends against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Everyone has these kinds of nights, but certainly with the pressure and the focus and intensity ramped up, these are the kind of games the Magic cannot afford to lose, uh, cannot afford to just kind of sleepwalk through, which is what it felt like, uh, and, and eventually the Magic are going to get their comeuppance for these kinds of defeats. The Magic back in action Tuesday at Philadelphia as this three-game road trip concludes. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Saturday night, Terrence Ross was the hero. 16 of his 23 points in the fourth quarter, several big three-pointers. It just felt like the magic awakened. When Ross started hitting shots, you could just feel this surge of confidence and energy. And it's that ability that has turned Ross into a fan favorite, a guy that pretty much everyone universally thinks the Magic should resign this summer. Uh, and obviously, so vital to, to the Magic's success this year, as, as limited as it is. This, this segment is not meant to slam Terrence Ross, it's, it, but it is meant to paint a reality because as good as Terrence Ross was Saturday, he was as horrendous Sunday and by extension Tuesday against the Knicks. Ross has always been a hot or cold player. The, the, joke, the joke with him is, you know, Dwayne Casey, uh, when he was with the Raptors, was asked about Terrence Ross's 50-point game, and, and Dwayne Casey deadpanned, yeah, but he scored 12 the next game. I'm sure I've told that story on this podcast before, but that's always been Ross's MO. He'll be great one night, mediocre to average the other night. And what's been different about this year is, is for the most part, Ross has not had the very many of those bad nights. He's had a lot more good nights than bad nights this year. And the Magic have won more games because Ross shot the lights out than they've lost games because Ross shot poorly. So Sunday's loss, and to some extent Tuesday's loss in the Knicks, Sunday's loss is not on Terrence Ross. There were plenty of other factors as to why the Magic lost that game. Poor ball movement. Poor shot making from a lot of different players. An inconsistent defense that gave Cleveland a ton of opportunities to blow this game open. The the Cavs scored 40 points in the fourth quarter because the Magic defense was bad. And ultimately, Orlando's success or failure relies on their ability to get stops and defend at a high level because this is a good defensive team. 
Orlando should not be in a situation where they're playing poor defense and giving up 112.6 points per 100 possessions is not going to get the job done for this Magic team, especially, again, when their offense struggles so much. So, Ross is not at fault here. But like I said, Ross has that pick-me-up ability. When he makes a big shot, when he makes a big play, it brings everybody up. And just creates this energy and confidence about the team that is just undeniable. The Magic don't blow out Toronto without Ross going off for 28. The Magic don't beat Golden State without Ross setting the tone. The Magic don't beat Indiana on Saturday without Ross getting things going in the fourth quarter and sparking that comeback. He is tender for the flame. And when he hits that spark, the rest of the team comes up with him. It's hard to find a marquee Magic win this season, and there have been plenty. It's hard to find a marquee Magic win this season where Terrence Ross didn't have an exceptional game or a very good game or a really dominant performance off the bench. But the reality, too, is Ross is completely reliant on a shooting. There's not much else Ross can do. He's a decent defender, but if he's missing shots... There's not much else he can provide the team. And and unfortunately, this Magic team relies heavily on Ross's shot-making. Not just because he's one of the few three-point shooters on the team or three-point shooters that defenses have to respect, but because the Magic just don't have a lot of scoring off their bench. He relieves a ton of pressure on a lot of different players. And so, part, you know, the Magic are overcoming a lot. They're still 3-3 three and three since the All-Star break, and they've actually picked up ground. They picked up a half game on the Hornets because of that. 500 is not bad in the Eastern Conference. But since the All-Star break, in this career season that Ross has had, since the All-Star break, Ross is averaging 14.5 points per game. That's about his season average at 14.6. But he's shooting just 34.1% from the floor, and 29.5% from beyond the arc. He's averaging 12.7 field goal attempts per game, but is now shooting 14.2. Ross is doing what all shooters do. They shoot themselves out of slumps. Sometimes that only digs you in deeper. This is now becoming a bit of a pattern. The magic have lost two critical games where Ross had the ball in his hands a lot and he missed almost everything. Against the Knicks, he was one for 11, I think. Against the Cavs, one for 12. Sorry, one for 10 against the Knicks. 
this is certainly not something the Magic can sustain. It's certainly not something the Magic can afford to happen very, very often. And now it's happened twice within the span of a week. The same week, mind you, where Ross's shooting propelled them to victories. And so now we see like one of the big crucibles of pressure that every team experiences, that every coach experiences. How long do you trust your gut and trust your guy when he's having a night like this? When do you go to the other option? And the Magic do have a good option. And Jonathan Isaac, a player who's only growing in confidence, who provides a real difference defensively. Maybe the question gets turned around and it becomes situation dependent. But really, I think Steve Clifford is right to stay trusting Terrence Ross. At this point, you got to trust the horses that got you there. This is a small sample and a larger season where Ross has been good and vital and important and essential to your success. Ceasing to trust him now, ceasing to go to him, ceasing to rely on him in the same way that you've relied on him before, I think only further furthers the possibility that the issues continue and get worse. Honestly, you just never know when Ross is going to turn things around and turn it on. Ross wasn't particularly good against Golden State. In that game against the Warriors, he was just two for eight, one for six from beyond the arc, entering the fourth quarter. He scored 11 and made three three pointers in the fourth, keying that victory. Against Indiana, Ross was, had seven points on three for eight shooting, one for six from beyond the arc, entering the fourth quarter. He turned things around in the fourth. Maybe it's a case where Clifford can determine very, very early on whether Ross can, can have it, has it or not, and turn it around. Maybe there is room for a little bit of rotation change now that the pressure is getting greater and you have to put your best lineups out there. But the reality is, yes, Ross is struggling now. There's a whole season worth of data to tell you the Magic are better offensively with Terrence Ross out on the floor. They're not in a position to just change something willy-nilly. Not without careful study and careful thought and careful analysis. And yeah, probably a little bit more data. But this is the ride you get with Terrence Ross. Ross has earned and built this trust with the coaching staff and with the players and with his teammates and with the fans that he will deliver when it matters most. And no one should be a slave to the moment and change something because of one bad game. There's a pattern here. There There are some reasons for concern, but not anything that wasn't too unexpected. But what is abundantly clear is when the Magic are struggling as they have against the Cavs and against the Knicks and, yeah, shoot, even against the Warriors and Pacers, Terrence Ross is a player that can lift them out of it. He's a player 
that can change the energy of a game as quickly as he seems to sink it with, with poor shooting sometimes. And it's worth the gamble, it seems, for the Magic to wait for that to happen. To give Ross the opportunity to make that happen. Maybe they shouldn't rely on it so much. Maybe they need to find that energy elsewhere. They certainly need to find that energy elsewhere because they could have won both the Knicks game and the Cavs game with Terrence Ross shooting so poorly. But when Ross gets going, this team can be truly special too. And now it seems like the Magic are waiting for Ross to get back to that level consistently again. Not go supernova every game, mind you. But just be solid enough so the team can take a deep breath, execute its stuff, and win comfortably once again. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com and follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. We'll be doing our five questions for the fourth quarter of the Orlando Magic season, which began last which began last week after the New York Knicks game. So definitely be on the lookout for that. We'll discuss that on the podcast coming up later this week as well. But until the next time, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rostenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.